never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Most of the intelligence community doesn't believe he exists. The ones that do call him the Winter Soldier. I'm Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast whose reading, essential reading, includes Tasha, Mordenkind, Volo, and Xanthar, but we never discount the PBH and the DMG. My name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother, Peter. Peter. Hey, man. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> Not much. So we're recording. T- today is September 27th. Due to a medical emergency that I had last week, we recorded late last week, and because of Peter's schedule, we're recording early this week. So news is very <laughs> light because not a lot has happened in between. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so that being said, in the realm of my medical emergency, my eye has healed. I can see just fine now. <laughs> so that allowed me, in the time of my eye getting back together, I had a chance to watch some stuff. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I actually have a couple things I was able to watch and get in before we sat down so I could bring something new to the table. So, did you get a chance to watch anything new since we last talked? <laughs> I've watched House of the Dragon. Perfect. <laughs> that's that's about it. Um, I did I did catch up on Andor, so that's cool. Okay. Um, the third episode was, was really good. It was kind of... Um, I think it was a good kind of uh, conclusion to the first couple episodes, but also had that clincher where we know we're going, we're moving on to bigger and better things. Um, I don't know if any of it like caught me a ton by surprise in the last episode, but I just thought it was a really another solid episode. So I'm looking forward to where they go from from here. Um, and yeah, what's that? See what I'm talking about with Andor in terms of the three episodes that's it's very clear that they needed it to be that for that first group um, as opposed yeah, to, yeah, I can, I can definitely episode. see that. And mm-hmm. then it's almost like the three episodes together are the and or origin story. And now we're going to roll into yep. better and better things and kind of get more little star Wars. Um, not that we didn't get star Wars, but that could have been any science fiction show I've ever watched. That was my issue um, overall. So no, absolutely. I think that's uh, spot on. And it definitely does feel like an origin story. Like I said, it is kind of like a conclusion to those first couple episodes because it is it does kind of feel pretty self-contained. But it feels like we're going to go off from here into, yes, bigger, bigger and better things, but hopefully some familiar territory as well. Maybe we'll go on to some recognizable planets with some recognizable creatures and uh all that, but only time is going to tell as far as that goes. But uh, no, so far I'm digging that show for sure. So uh, I don't, I don't have, I feel like I don't have too much to say on it. You want to give me a recognizable creature? Give me a Rodian for real. Give yeah. Me, and if you don't know what a Rodian is, it's Greedo, man. He's one of the most famous aliens <laughs> in Star Wars. We haven't, I don't think there's one. I'd have to go, like, I literally feel like I'd have to go back and double check, but under the Disney regime, I haven't, I don't think I've seen one. 
which is kind of disconcerting to be completely honest. So there, I feel like there has been a couple. Like I feel like there was a hammerhead or two in Maz Kanata's um, oh, bar and stuff like that. that. But um, I don't know about Maz Kanata. But I know there's a hammerhead in Boba Fett, which is great. But I just yeah. feel like they're skipping out on the, you know. It's it is few and far between for sure. Um, it's too far and between. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Just my opinion. Sorry. And um, then they they do keep introducing like they'll introduce these new random background aliens, and I don't know what it is, but for whatever reason they don't seem to hold as much weight as like the original you know, all the original background aliens from the original movies. And I don't know if that's just because there's more content coming out. So it's not like when the Star Wars movies came out where you would only see a new one every, you know, couple years at least. And you had to kind of glom onto every little detail. Unfortunately, I mean, it's a good thing that there's so much Star Wars, but then there's the flip side of the coin where there's just like, we're getting so much of it that, we maybe take some of the newer aliens they have in there for granted, you know, and uh, that's just and something to think about as well. The fact that we, and the fact that we had all those years to dissect those aliens that we consider familiar yep. for us OG fans, that might be why we're like missing those aliens. And I said before, I want Star Wars to be this vast galaxy of um, endless possibilities. So you're going to have several different species. But I'll tell you, man, like when you see that, like when you look at the Senate chambers in like the prequel films and you think to yourself, wow, that's a lot of diversity in terms of aliens. But then when you look at the Disney verse, like none of those aliens you see in the other movies at all. And some of these Disney aliens feel very Star Trek in a way, not Star Wars. And that kind of bugs me, too. But. Sometimes that also goes with just the voices that go along with the characters. True, true. <laughs> so. They don't. They definitely do not do enough alien dialect. It's Absolutely. a lot of English, and that's. I mean, like I said, we're all on a learning curve. I think right now with Star Wars, so let's enjoy the ride while we can, and be glad we're getting all the Star Wars that we're getting. Um, and not go back to the <laughs> there you go. And we had to wonder what was going to be next. Yeah. Um, okay, so. In the realm of watching things, we'll talk about House of the Dragon in a moment. Um, I got caught up on She-Hulk. Um, okay, nice. That episode, the wedding episode, I mean, it was cute, but <laughs> some of the She-Hulk episodes need to be pushing themselves a little farther along than they are, um, in my personal opinion. Where, like, you know, people are like, yeah, I'm not watching the show. It just, it's not my, I'm not the target audience or those kind of comments. Um she-Hulk has these, it starts out great and has these wonderful cameos and gets you excited for the possibility for what it's going to be. And then it throws in this wedding episode, which I thought was just a weird departure, um, which they could just be saving themselves for some massive finale, which is fine because in television writing, that's what happens. Um, they're, they do a bottle episode so they can spend the money on the big episode, you know, um, I don't yeah. know if Shulk really had a has had a bottle episode yet, but <laughs> I think I think they're all bottle episodes so far. <laughs> well, do you I'm know? Just, I'm just kidding, but what do you know what the definition of a bottle episode is? Yeah, yeah, you, you've you've okay. talked about it before. Okay, on here, that's so. why as soon as you said that, I was like, well, maybe he doesn't know what a bottle episode is. So, um, 
but yeah, so I just uh, overall, I, overall, I'm continuing to like the show. I'm just like, give me some Daredevil. What's going on? So, um, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. So uh, that's where I'm. I, I feel like this wedding episode was. I'm kind of with you. Like it felt kind of like filler. It kind of felt um, a little bit silly. But this is the episode where I feel like I've came to terms with that, and I feel like She Hulk is going to be ninety percent silly and there's going to be something cool or and worthwhile here and there but most of it is going to be kind of silly dumb fun and this is the episode where i realized i'm just going to let this be what it is and enjoy it for what it is and uh that's why i said last week it feels almost like a, a guilty pleasure where i'm coming to realize i do like this show it's not at all what i necessarily would have wanted or hoped that a she hulk show would be but i if I just let it be what it is, it's not that bad. And I do think I've said this again and again, but the runtime, the fact that it's only 20 minutes long and I'm not dedicating like hours of my life every week to the show. I think that definitely helps. So, um, yeah. but yeah, I'll agree. The runtime's great. Cause you can just sit down have a good laugh and enjoy the Marvel universe for a minute and then go off. Yeah, back absolutely. Um, so I'm not complaining about that at all. I was just like, it, but it was nice when she turned to the camera and she goes, are we really interrupting this for a mid season wedding episode? She's like, yeah, cause that's how real life is. And what's nice about that statement alone is it goes back to the Stan Lee days when he says, these characters still have human real world problems that they have to deal with. Um, and that's hyper important to understand. So um, I'm okay with the, Hey, we got to do the wedding episode, <laughs> you know, because ultimately she Hulk is meant to be a sitcom, but she's still dealing with her real life problems. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, house of the dragon. Let's talk about that real quick. All right. Um, this episode, I, I've had some friends point out the fact that they don't like the cast change. Um, really? They don't, they don't necessarily like the uh, they don't like the cast change. They don't like the the younger kids. Um, I'm OK with the younger kids. I don't like the um, I don't like Rhaenyra's kids. I think they're kind of like kind of douchey, um, like spoiled brat douchey, uh, where like Aegon and his siblings are. Um, they just I feel like they fit the universe a little better. <laughs> <laughs> to be completely honest. Um, but I really like Rhaenyra and um, uh, and Emma Darcy as Rhaenyra and Olivia Coke as Allison. Right. I think I, I thought I think it, casting wise, they did a really nice job of doing it. I was really impressed with Emma Darcy as Rhaenyra when I was kind of watching her facial expressions, like big time watching her facial expressions. She's got that Al, um, Ali Malik. um uh, or Miley, Miley Malik. Yeah. Is that right? I'm drawing a blank on her name. I think I'm using the wrong name there, but she's got her facial ticks down big time. And I was like seeing it. And I'm like, man, she's delivering the lines the same. Like she okay. had, it. it was awesome. Um, I was really impressed with that. Um, otherwise I thought the episode was phenomenal. Um, the Damon's wife deciding to hat, uh, like, I'm not going to have the medieval C-section and deal with that nonsense and have the horrible childbirth and possibly die this way. I'm going to go have a dragon rider's death. I loved that scene. And as heartbreaking as it was, the thing that made it more heartbreaking is when she's commanding the dragon to do it. And then the dragon's like, no, I don't want to do it. 
And she's yeah. like, no, you have to. I don't want to be, I don't want to suffer like this. And the dragon's like, but I really don't want to lose you. And she's like, but you got to help me. I'm suffering. And the dragon's like, I'll put you out of your misery. I get it. That was, I, I loved that scene, but you could see the emotion on the dragon's face. And that's something that the live action Lion King has not figured out how to do yet. But um, I just loved, I just <laughs> loved that moment. Um, what do you think of this episode as a whole? Well, just relating to that live action Lion King comment, I wonder if the <laughs> fact that a the dragon was actually acting opposite of a human with real human emotions that we can relate to. I don't know if that helps us bridge the gap between, you know, our own human emotions and this right, like <laughs> CGI animal uncanny valley emotions that we're watching on screen. But um, that's fair. I no, I thought this this uh episode was really good i think um as far as house of the dragon goes um i think it was around episode three where i really started to enjoy the the show from a plot standpoint where i started to go okay now we're getting this intricate political chess game going and it's really starting to feel game of thronesy you know finally and i think it was the last two episodes that i really started to feel more attached to the characters um, and finding that and I found the characters more relatable, but also just intriguing. Like I've really been enjoying a lot of the dynamics that have been going on, especially with uh, Queen Allison. Like I never expected she was going to be such a conniving and such a uh, scheming sort of character. But I think it's really cool how they're playing her stuff out. And um, it's it's just like I'm kind of impressed because I feel like she's one of my favorite characters, I think, at this point. And it's not because I think she's like the most relatable or anything like that. But I think she has one of the most interesting. She's got some of the most interesting stuff going on. And when the series started, I did not expect that to be the case at all. So I'm just uh, I've just been really impressed with this. I think the um, I feel like the the time jump and the uh, the new casting that they did, uh, I think it worked really well. Um, If you watch the uh, sort of like post credits behind the scenes look from uh, this this week's episode, uh, somebody was mentioning mentioning that this week's episode felt feels like a second pilot because you have a new cast of characters. And I think that that's totally true. But at the same time, it really felt like um, I felt so much more invested in like a second pilot. And it was a really interesting way to watch the show have to re um, introduce itself while also just feeling so much more invested as the first episode. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like I'm being pretty vague, but I'm just loving this show so far. And uh, yeah, I think it just keeps getting better. I don't know. (laughs) I know. Um, The have you noticed that uh, Allison has been wearing green? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, And that's awesome because she's she's going to war and she's going to keep that thrown to herself. She knows the power she's got. And that's just crazy seeing that like that's a whole nother war on top of um, uh, the the war that's brewing, you know, Um, and absolutely. It's important for our listeners to understand you haven't read the book, right? No, I haven't. No. And I haven't read the book either. Now, I read all the others and mm-hmm. Fire and Blood. I picked up when it came out. I put it on the shelf. I never got a chance to pick it up. And I keep like staring at it going, do I want to read it? Do I want to read it? Do I want to read it? As someone who read the books prior to the show proper, I don't like I knew so much. 
part of me wants to just enjoy this season, not knowing anything, and then jump in, um, you know, j- maybe read yeah. the book after the season ends um, and kind of just roll with it. So I have no idea. I haven't decided yet. Um, I'm just kind of enjoying it right now, not knowing anything and just kind of speculating as I go. So we'll see what happens when the season's over. And I'm just like, fine, I'll read it. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> nice. Um all right, so there's one other thing that I watched. I watched the Elvis movie. Uh, what was that? Sorry, Elvis. I Elvis. Oh, okay. I watched, yeah. like, the first half of this, and then I never finished it. Oh, okay. So what do you think of the first half? <laughs> I thought it was really good, but I think it's partially the uh, subject matter. Like, I am pretty interested in uh, Elvis's backstory and stuff. So okay. I was enjoying it. I thought... My one, okay, so I have two minor complaints. One, my really minor one is uh, Tom Hanks. I just couldn't get that into his character. And this is just the problem when it comes with somebody becoming as big of an actor as Tom Hanks is, is every role I see him in, I just see Tom Hanks. Even if he has a different voice and makeup and stuff, I still just see this big time Hollywood actor that we all know. And uh, that kind of made it hard for me to uh, suspend my disbelief with his his character. But that's not that big of an issue for me. My main thing was I actually really didn't like how they used modern music during like between certain scenes and stuff. Like I thought the um, all the like little like hip hop bits and stuff felt really shoehorned in to me. And I, I felt like there was probably a smarter way they could have accomplished the same thing. Like, I feel like if you had, if you had like an Elvis song playing during a montage or playing between scenes, and then you really subtly brought in like maybe like hip hop beats into the background or something, I feel like it would have been less distracting and could have kind of been like a really cool, innovative way to do it. But it just, every time that came up, it did feel a little shoehorned into me. Um, And I don't know if that's a controversial opinion at all, but that's just kind of uh, how I felt while I was watching it. So. All right. So you, but you only watched the first half. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's fine. It's, it's more of a, it's more of a, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like a, I can't stand this. I thought it was really good. It was more of a, um, it was it was more of a like it's getting late time to go to bed thing. I'll finish it right. tomorrow, and I just never finished it. So, so here's all right. So let me piggyback off on a couple things you said, and here's my full review of the movie. Um, first off, um, I totally hear you with the modern music. When I had heard some of the artists that were <laughs> listed on the soundtrack and or involved in the music part of the movie, I was like, but this is a movie about Elvis. What? The yeah. Hell? And I didn't find it too distracting at first. Um, well, Cause when I first heard, I think it was Doja cat. When I first heard that song, I was like, why are you doing this? <laughs> like, yeah. why, this, is a, this is a movie about Elvis, not what is happening. Like that was the first thing that went through my brain. But then as the scene played out, I tried to look at it from an artistic point of view and not from why are you putting the song in the movie? And, <laughs> I feel like a, the couple modern songs that they used, I think they really fit certain things because of what was being portrayed because of him learning that style of music long before he learned rock and roll or figured out what rock and roll was and built into that. So because it was 
partially used in montage sequences or him walking through the streets and seeing people in that uh, world and whatnot, I really felt that that it was okay as we got a little bit more. Um, the the other part of using the modern music is that is totally a Baz Luhrmann thing. Um, I am not the biggest fan of Baz Luhrmann's directing style or choices. Um, okay. I think he's got a good. I think he's got a couple really good solid movies out there, like Romeo and Juliet for one of them. Um, oh, it's that guy. Okay. That like Romeo sense. and Juliet. He also direct, <laughs> he also directed Moulin Rouge, which I can't. Which I personally, I'm sorry to any listeners who disagree with me, but I can't stand the Moulin Rouge movie. Oh wow. I, I absolutely can't stand it. Um, for lots of reasons, and we could do a whole show on that some other time if you want. But um, to me, as a director, he's hit or miss. And I knew going in who directed this movie because I always usually look at the director, right? That's I'm a movie guy. That's what I do. So I knew what I was getting into going in. So when the music hit like that, it made me cringe a little bit. But on an artistic point, I was trying to look at it from a different perspective. And I just kind of took it for what it was. And I kind of enjoyed it. And it was fine. Um, the first half of the movie. So you watched the first half. The yeah, I'm trying to of, think of when I left off, well, to be here's honest, what but keep talking. The first half of the movie, they got to cover a lot of story ground pretty quick. And in the realm of covering all that story ground pretty quick, the first hour of the film was one giant montage. At least it felt that way. It was montage <laughs> after montage after montage after montage. It felt like one massive music video trying to cover all this massive Elvis backstory leading up to the more bigger issues that are going to come in the back half of the movie. After the montage sequence is over, it became an actual biopic for the rest of the film. Oh, in the I standard gotcha. sense that we know biopics to be, which I remember ending the movie and I'm like – did the movie change right in the middle? <laughs> like, it literally, like, struck me. I'm like, did they change directors or art style? Or is there, like, what happened? The Like, it literally felt like a music video up to, like, about the hour mark. And then the final hour of the film felt like a normal biopic. Now, don't get me wrong. Overall, I enjoyed the movie. But I thought that was an odd choice. But it's clearly an artistic choice as well. And when you get to that back half, it slows down and does the standard biopic drama side of things. But they're covering some very serious issues at that point. So it kind of makes sense. Um, and that's where, like, I don't know. In the realm of Baz Luhrmann, I think this is one of his better films. Um, but again, I'm not a big fan of his directing style. So to me, he's a kind of a hit or miss director. Um Overall, I enjoyed the movie, and I think anyone anyone who likes music and likes music history and yeah. stuff, I think they're really going to like this movie. I really do. Um, I think everyone should see this because aside from my whining and moaning about Baz Luhrmann's directing, Austin <laughs> Butler is phenomenal as Elvis, like phenomenal. And I had read a couple articles about how he got super method and like stuck in the role. Stuck in the role in the sense that it took him a couple months after they wrapped the movie to get out of character because yeah. he got so like heavily involved in like trying to portray this person on screen. Um, but he's amazing in the movie. And as the movie gets farther and farther and farther into the story, um, when you get to like his Vegas tour and all that stuff, I mean, he is amazing. 
Um, so <laughs> phenomenal actor, and that's why I can't uh, I can't praise him more. Um, like I said, overall, though, I thought the movie was good. Um, I enjoyed watching it. There wasn't a moment where I was like, this is not good. <laughs> so, right, right. Well, yeah. also, like, the cinematography was uh, was great in the movie. And I especially liked, I know you mentioned, like, you. it kind of feels like you're on montage overload for the begin, like, the first half of the movie. But some of those m- montages and just uh, transitions between scenes felt like, really really cool and innovative and i loved the um of course i loved the uh you know shazam captain marvel like comic book bit and stuff like that and there was a lot of innovative parts um and just related to that like uh you mentioned like if you're into like music history but also just if you're into like i don't know late 50s early 60s i'm not exactly sure the exact timeline but if you're into just like pop culture from like a certain time like mid-century 1900s like this is definitely a film you should check out even if you're not into elvis and uh i didn't want to like what talking about the music like the modern music mixed in that also wasn't like a deal breaker that was kind of just my biggest complaint but again it goes back to that history thing where you know, every time they had a modern song, I would have rather have it be an Elvis song or a song by an artist that specifically influenced Elvis. Because I feel like if you're going to do a historic biopic, put in as much history as you can, like instead of putting in like modern music that is just going to distract you or at least distracted me while watching the movie. So, um, but yeah, I uh, it sounds awesome and I definitely need to finish (laughs) this one. Yeah, I, so it's it's really really good, and you get some. And at the end, you know how a lot of biopics will do this the the title cards on the screen that say um, this per this happened to this person, and this person went on to do this, and this went on to do oh, like, nice, yeah. those kind of things. At the end, when they do that, you get to see some actual like real footage of like some of the old Elvis, like some real Elvis stuff. Um, nice. So I don't know. Like overall, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, they're just. I just was con- like, I'm just, it was just baffled me when I'm like, did the movie change director? Like right in the middle, it was weird. So, <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, um, that's it for the watching category. Let's move on to news, man. Cool. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Because we talked a couple days ago and we're kind of, re- and we're recording early this week, uh, news is very light. Um, but there's two major stories we need to talk about. So let's talk about the lighter ones first. Um, first off, uh, James Earl Jones, we talked last time about how he's retiring from voice acting, right? Yeah. Um, and I made a comment about re-speecher. That's the uh, technology they use to help clean up voices and, you know, dialogue and stuff. So like Mark Hamill, when you see Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian, um, Mark Hamill's delivering those lines of dialogue and they're using this program called Respeecher to kind of de-age the voice so he sounds like Mark Hamill from the 80s. Um, but he's yeah. still delivering the lines. Well, they've recorded so much dialogue of James Earl Jones doing Darth Vader over the years that Lucasfilm will be using an AI and archival recordings to continually recreate his voice. So we will always have James Earl Jones as Darth Vader. When we get Darth Vader, which is great. And I talked about that last week going or last week, last episode that that's probably what's going to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Halo, are you listening? Just saying. Um, (laughs) I know, Peter, I know I'm going to do it every time. I swear. (laughs) I know. 
Paramount's going to hate me, but that's fine. Um, okay, Game of Thrones. House of the Dragon showrunner says we should not expect any more major time jumps, which is cool. Oh, um, I think they that's said, good news. Right, so when you think about it, so the first episode, the second episode, it was like six months, and then it was two years, and then I think it was like a couple months, and then it was a 10-year jump. Um, in the original Game of Thrones show, you never really knew what the time jump was, but what you did know is that season one covered about a year's time span. Season two covered about a year's time span. So when you get to Sansa and John reuniting at Winterfell, that was like a six-year time span that they, had, they hadn't seen each other in six years. And if you were watching real time instead of binging the show like some people did, because I was there episode up by episode episode, that was a six-year wait for that reunion, and the emotions really got me, you know. So nice. Um, the reason I bring that up is because they're saying that after the first season, the storytelling becomes fairly in, rhyme, in the rhymes of the original Game of Thrones series. Um, so that's how it'll kind of all play out, which is awesome um, because I feel like what they're doing is with all these time jumps is they're just basically laying seeds and covering ground and – you know, everything's set in place for when everything's going to really hit the shit. The shit's really going to hit the fan. And uh, we're rocking into this new Targaryen war. So, yeah, well, Thoughts? I think um, I say that's good news because, I mean, you think about the series. Um, it's like episode. I think it's at the end of episode two. Viserys announces that he plans to wed Alicent. And uh, you jump to the next episode and there is a time jump. She is pregnant then. And then a couple episodes later, there's like a multi-year time jump. And I am right now, I am loving this series. And I actually thought about this while watching the last episode is like, this story is moving so fast and I'm loving every minute of it, minute of it. But is this going to be one of those things where it moves so fast and within a season or two, we just have the whole story and the fact that it's going to slow down and linger and we get to <laughs> enjoy the tedium of all the uh, slow building, like political inter intricacies of this specific era of uh, Westeros. I think that's awesome. I don't want this story to move faster than it has because I've been loving it so much. And I just want I want this series to last long enough that we can really savor it, I guess. So I think this is good news overall. Oh, I totally agree. This is good news. I'm just again, this is just the universe I want more of. So, mm -hmm. um, OK, um, Black Panther 2 will report to be the longest movie in MCU phase four. Um, okay. Their Black Panther two is Wakanda Forever is apparently got a two hours and forty one minute runtime. So wow. so strap in. I'm not opposed <laughs> to this. This, is, this sounds great. I'm just saying strap in because they haven't announced a runtime this long in a while since Endgame. I don't think. So be ready for it. Um, I think it's cool because Black Panther has the potential to be a lot more um, like that serious, more like epic. Uh, scale story than maybe like a Thor yep. love and thunder or something like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty exciting. Yep. All right. Like I said, news is light this week just because of us recording early and having to record late last week. So uh, two big major stories have hit the news this week. And this one um, I think has hit 
And when I say hit the news, we're talking local news on this one. This one's all over the place. It is literally everywhere. Everywhere I turn, I'm seeing the story. But NASA smashes spacecraft into asteroid in world's first planetary defense test. Did you hear about this? <laughs> Actually, I did. <laughs> Briefly, but I did hear about this. So. Ultimately, what they're doing, NASA has intentionally crashed a spacecraft into the surface of a wandering asteroid in order to assess our ability to avoid a potential devastating collision with Earth. Well, they basically have finally looked at movies like Deep Impact and Armageddon and said, well, we can't make this science fiction forever. This is a sheer possibility. Let's see if we can do it. Um, so they've crashed the spacecraft into an asteroid to see about potentially like knocking it off course. How, what capabilities do we have? Like that kind of thing. It's really kind of interesting. There's a lot more on this story if you dig into like NASA and the articles <laughs> and stuff. But it's been kind of fascinating. And it's been fascinating in a sense that there's a lot of space stories that hit this week. And I'm like, what is happening? Why are we all turned like it's almost like the pandemic's over. No one wants to live here anymore. Time to look in space. How do we get ourselves off the planet? <laughs> um, <laughs> nice. So like I feel like there's a lot of there was a lot of space stuff in the news for the past couple of days. I'm like, what's going on? So um, any thoughts on this at all or no? Uh, my only thought is kind of ridiculous, but this was a funny story. Um, I know I don't know if this is permanent, but if you look up, I think it's like NASA Dart. Or something is that the name of the craft? Yeah, yeah. NASA Dart. If you if you Google NASA Dart, there's a well. Have you done it? Because I don't know if I want to spoil it or I not. I have not actually Googled it. Okay. I, this is that thing where I saw it on the news, <laughs> paid attention to the story. It was lunch. It was break time at work. Wandering in the break room, they had the news on. It was on again. Got home from work, doing stuff around the house, like just getting myself collected after getting home. But the TV's on. It's on the news again. You know, like <laughs> it's like so they ran I, it all day. I won't spoil it, but everybody for fun, Google NASA Dart after you're done listening to this podcast. And uh, it's there's a fun little surprise when you do that. Is there sound um, for it? Not that I know of. Uh, I'm just going to Google it right now. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a good idea, because if I have it wrong and it's I said the oh, wrong words, that's... It, it the the spacecraft flies onto the screen and crashes. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So there, that's that's your spoiler, but uh, definitely a fun little touch. But my main um, takeaway that I, I didn't think of this till just now, but if there was like a narrator, like narrating the story of Earth, I think after this event, that's when the line would come in. That's like, and little did they know that they actually sent that asteroid off course to another distant planet that supported life and caused an apocalyptic event on that on that planet. <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is kind of funny to think about. Like, well, we saved our ass, but uh, yeah, sorry, distant alien planet. <laughs> I'm in the break room at the police department and I'm getting ready to eat lunch. And one of the chiefs walks in and that the NASA dart star was on TV and they know I'm and the, that specific chief knows I'm really into science fiction and stuff. And we start talking about it. And I'm like, did you see the movie? Don't look up. And he's like, yeah. He's like, you know how real that movie felt? And he's, we start going on about how the, like the social commentary and all that stuff and how like it's more of a documentary than a science fiction film. And I'm like, we're literally living it right now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, it's nice. crazy um but yeah here we are trying to deflect an asteroid makes yeah case if there's an asteroid coming that they haven't told us because we're not going to believe them um yep <laughs> interesting at any rate 
Let's move on to the more exciting story. It's the best story of the day. It made me so happy. I don't know if I've been this happy in a long time to get a piece of news, period, in the pop culture universe. But Ryan Reynolds, earlier today, dropped a, I guess they're calling it a Deadpool teaser, but I don't know if they call it that. Um, it's basically Ryan Reynolds sitting down talking about how important it is to create Deadpool. And sorry for the delay. And they're trying to work on a great story, but he's got nothing, but he's got one idea. <sighs> Look, I love the bit part of the video, and I know you watched this, Peter. Yeah. Um, but I love the part of the video where he's like, I did have one idea. And then you see Hugh Jackman walk in the background. And he goes, hey, you want to do Wolverine one more time? And he's like, sure, Ryan, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just smiles at the camera and it ends. And I'm literally like, this is the greatest thing ever. They don't ever need to show another Deadpool trailer. I'm in. I'm going to be there. <laughs> like, I'm literally like, they don't need to show any Deadpool trailer at all. We're all going. That's the bet. Like, there's no better way to advertise for a movie. No, it's it's perfect. Like, and literally it's... done. That's all you got to show us. That's it. <laughs> and it's also like, uh, it's also one of those things where Deadpool, the previous Deadpool movies did so much with viral marketing like this. And Hugh Jackman actually did get involved in uh, some of those like viral YouTube bits with Ryan Reynolds. And I've even seen like uh, on forums and stuff and people with their like fan fictions and fan castings. I've seen people mention like, why don't they do a Deadpool Wolverine crossover movie, but do a proper version. Don't give us like X-Men origins Wolverine. Let's get actually like that buddy team up like Wolverine and Deadpool going on an, on an adventure. And it's either, it's either great minds think alike. And uh, you know, the people at uh, Marvel are thinking the same thing or they saw that, <laughs> that idea and they listened to the fans, but Either way, this is so exciting. I think this movie is going to be a blast. It's going to be hilarious. And when it comes to Deadpool 1 was so great. Deadpool 2 was like a very good follow-up, especially when it comes to upping the ante for uh, not just action, but trying to make a movie that's equally as funny and enjoyable. And I feel like, where do you go from there? I feel like this is an amazing way to actually up the ante. So I'm definitely in, this is just awesome. Well, we, There's nothing well, else to say, you know, to begin with, but then they said, Hey, Hugh Jackman's coming back to play Wolverine. And you're just like, yes, <laughs> because they don't say it. Like it's going to be a cameo. They say it. Like he's going to be a major role in the movie and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, I love the logo with the Deadpool logo with the three, with the claw slashes. Is, through. is that official? Cause I've I, seen that shared around. I didn't know if that was a um, fan made. Basically ba based on how, here's the thing, the internet that dropped, I sent you the text about 20 minutes after it dropped because that's when I saw it. And because when I saw the video, I was like, what's this? And it said, Ryan Reynolds posted this 23 minutes ago. That's how it was. Like, I got it. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, I watched it. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Like, I was just, like, freaking out. I um, So, but the Internet has exploded. You pull up any social media, like, at least because I follow all this pop culture stuff. <laughs> all it is, like. That posted, I sent it to you, I pulled up, like, Instagram, and all it was was Hugh Jackman and Deadpool, Hugh Jackman and Deadpool, Wolverine and Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds, Hugh Jackman, like, that's all it was. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, legit breaking the internet. Phenomenal news. I'm so excited for this. 
Um, Absolutely. Also thought it was funny. It does say uh, September of 2024. Um, so that's awesome. And it uh, and it also I love when it said coming hewn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, at the end of the, at the end of the teaser, I thought that was really funny. But just go watch it and just be as happy as everybody else is because uh, it's amazing. Absolutely. Um, do you have any final thoughts on it? No, it just okay. looks awesome. <laughs> All right. So Deadpool three, I can't wait. Um. So anyway, that brings us to the end of the news. Like I said, it's light, but I wanted to save that to the end because it was too good to not. Um. So let's talk about tonight's list, man. You cool with that? Yeah, sounds good. Awesome. All right, so it's list time. So let's roll the thing. And now for the top five. Uh, Peter, this was your list. Um, why don't you tell everybody what you were thinking when you made me have to do this? <laughs> <laughs> so that's an interesting way to put it. Cause I actually didn't think this list was going to be a challenge, but maybe it was, but, uh, this is something I thought of a long time ago. And it was one of those things where I was like, that would be a great top five list, but I don't know about you, Drew, but when I think of like a really good list, I'm always like, well, I got to save that one for later. <laughs> Like, I don't want to do, I don't want to use it right away. And uh, something recently just made me rethink of this list. And that is um, our top five music videos. So this is just from all time. You know, it could be from the heyday of MTV. It could be newer music videos, but just the music videos that uh, we found inspiring or interesting, or maybe they had a really cool story that they told or there's tons of different ways you can look at this. But um one of the biggest reasons I wanted to do this is uh, some of my all time favorite uh, music videos actually have some really cool ties to the nerd world. And I'll get into that later. But uh, that's kind of what inspired this. And actually looking at my list, it's kind of funny, but my top like I have two honorable mentions, but my top five actually do have some pretty legit nerdy pop culture ties. And it's not. I didn't do that on purpose. That's just like legit, you know, some of my favorite music videos have like ties to the nerdy comic book stuff that we really love. But uh, yeah, what were, what were your thoughts on this, Drew? So when, when I made that comment, like, <laughs> make me do this, I don't have anything problem with the list. I honestly just feel because we recorded on Saturday and we're recording oh, again on Tuesday, I gotcha. this was yeah. way too short of a time span for the list <laughs> I, I can like see that because I'm the one who suggested the list. So I already had three or four music videos in my head when I suggested it. And you had to scramble to figure out what you wanted to pick. Well, That's really this? funny. When you when you said this list, I wrote that like while we were finishing the episode, I wrote down one. immediately. <sighs> yeah, guaranteed. I wrote wrote that one down immediately. After that, nice. it was like, wow, I got to really dig. Um <laughs> And I was digging in terms of like, what's another music video I liked? Here's the thing. So, and this is where I found this list difficult. Um, for 15 years of my life, I was a DJ, like wedding DJ and school proms and homecomings and all that stuff. My taste of music got so skewed that it's like, man, I really hate this song. Download. Not because I <laughs> wanted it for my collection, but because... I'm going to need it at the next thing I go to because I can't listen to music for my own personal taste. I have to listen to music for everybody else's taste. 
And it's made my opinion of music completely different now. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I listen to a lot of instrumental music and orchestral stuff, because I it, it's a complete departure and separation from all that other stuff. Um, okay. And there's still music that comes out today that I'm like, man, I really don't like this song because it's getting overplayed. But at the end of the day, it's a really good song. Um, I'm drawing a blank on that Lizzo song right now that's super popular. I'm just drawing a blank of the name of it. Um, but, <laughs> I know what you're talking about, though. <laughs> but the song, like, it's the song's phenomenal. And she's an incredibly talented artist. I'm just like, don't overplay it. Don't ruin this song too early. You know, that's going yeah. through my head every time it comes on the radio. I'm like, don't ruin it. This song's too good. Um, and that's what happens. Um <laughs> The other problem is, is I'm a big movie guy, so yeah. I don't think in the realm of music videos like I used to. There was a time, kids, where we didn't have MP3 players, and we didn't have YouTube, and we didn't have Napster, and we didn't have this stuff. When music videos came on TV, you basically had to sit and watch hours and endless hours of MTV, which is the music television. It's not now, but MTV played music videos. And you had to wait for that favorite music video of yours that you wanted to come on just to see. And you watch tons of this stuff. Um, and that's a completely different time period. And trying to go back to what music videos did I like? <laughs> you yeah. Know? That's what was the hard part because <laughs> I was always focusing on the music for, you know, being a DJ and stuff. I was like, holy cow. You know, so I just found it difficult only because of the time span I had to turn this around. So, okay, nice. Anyway, it is my your list, so I got to go first. Don't do you have honorable mentions? I do. I actually have two honorable mentions. Okay, awesome. In the midst of difficulty, I, I have two honorable mentions. Um, so my first honorable mention is anything by Weird Al. Nice. <laughs> and I say Perfect. that because there was no way to do one. Perfect honorable mention. <laughs> there was no way to do one Weird Al music video because here's the thing about Weird Al is, yes, because he's doing a song parody, all his music videos are music video parodies as well. So it's not like there are, like, I know he's got a handful of original ones in there, but for the most part, they're the parodies that he did the videos for. So they're not too much of a departure of the actual video that got released by the real artist. Um, but Weird Al, because of what he did, uh, changing the lyrics and trying to mimic slash parody to poke fun at, but praise these other artists. Um, I think he's an incredible genius and incredibly talented. And I think it's really cool what ended up happening with, you know, those music videos. I just, you know, it's, it was too hard to narrow down the one. And because he wasn't really create, I don't quote unquote, creating something as new as like one of the artists would originally, because he's in a weird way, copying in a sense but not yeah. really you know i couldn't really put him in the category of a favorite pick of a video so and if you said what's your favorite weird al video i don't know how to answer that because that'd be too hard to pick i think so <laughs> so I so it's uh, a really ridiculous um no it it works because so many of his videos are parodies that it is hard to narrow them down i did see um uh, amish paradise on a couple like top music video lists when I was putting uh, my list together. But he, I mean, he just, there's so many of them that are such classic parodies where it's almost like 
it's almost spot spot on like shot for shot the same music video but it's just filled with so many jokes like it's like the same amount of jokes as like a like a full naked gun movie like filled into this like two music or two minute music video for uh, <laughs> for whatever parody he's doing mm-hmm. uh some other ones that i really liked were um I remember, uh, oh, like Trapped, Trapped in the Drive-Thru, which is a parody of uh, Trapped in yeah. the Closet by R. Kelly. That music video is all animated, but it's so funny because it's like 10 minutes of absolutely nothing happening, but Weird Al going through every <laughs> every single detail, which is hilarious. And uh, actually, one of the ones that I always crack I forgot about was... Trapped in a Drive-Thru. What? <laughs> that's, God, that's awesome. Um, another one that I always really loved was... Uh, eat it actually the parody of uh beat it by michael jackson but as a kid that video always cracked me up so much especially when you have the two guys who are in a uh you know out on the street in a knife fight and instead of tying their hands together like in the michael jackson video they're both holding on to a drumstick that's attached attached to a chicken and one guy has a fork and the other guy has a knife and they're doing the knife fight that way it it was just such a silly but great visual so good call Yeah, yeah. So anything weird, Al. What's your first honorable mention? Yeah, so my first one, and uh, Drew, I mean, relating to what you were saying about, um, you know, listening to a lot of instrumentals and movie scores and stuff, I actually went with uh, the Duel of the Fates music video, um, obviously composed by John Williams for Star Wars Episode One, The Phantom Menace. But this music video... Uh, it's probably kind of gone into obscurity, but I remember when the Phantom Menace was about to come out and this music video would play nonstop on MTV and it's Duel of the Fates. So it's like one of the coolest songs I've ever heard. It just sounded so epic and evil and awesome and paired with a bunch of footage of not only the orchestra performing the music and uh, John Williams like writing process, but also just snippets from the actual film and watching that over and over again on MTV was such a cool way to build up hype for this star Wars prequel before it came out. Like I remember being in junior high and every time that music video came out, came on, I just got so amped up. So uh, yeah, this, this this one definitely deserved a place on my list. So uh, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one. Well, this was this is a perfect example of waiting because we were all dying for Star Wars. Yeah, dying for this movie, most anticipated film of all time. I don't care what Marvel fans you say, Endgame doesn't hold a candle to this. Um, and we waited. It was literally like <laughs> play the video again, and like MTV would play it, and you're like play it again because we didn't have YouTube. We couldn't go look it up and watch it a hundred times. So it was like, can you guys play it again? Seriously. Um, but it, it showed footage from the little bits of footage from the film, from the trailer. It showed it played at the orchestra. It showed a lot of behind the scenes stuff of them building sets. And you're just like, I want more of this. Let's go. Um, phenomenal music video. Really, really cool. Uh, if you have the DVD release, you actually have that video. It came with it's, oh, on, nice. it's on the original DVD release. I don't know if it made it the cut for the Blu-ray or not, because it might have been like, we don't need to put that back on there. It's already out. So, <laughs> as <laughs> not they true, do. But, um, <laughs> what'd you say? I said, as they do. Yeah, I just that I thought might have been some thinking on that aspect. But, you know. Um, all right. So my next do du- uh, my, my next duel of fate my next um <laughs> honorable mention is um the reason by hoopastank 
Okay, interesting. Um, have you ever seen this music video? I know I have. I can't remember anything about it, but I know I've seen it a number this of times. This is kind of a... Um, this is kind of a... Uh, artistic thing, because the guy... It's a, it's a ballad, and they're singing the song and everything, but... The music video is a heist, like it's a jewel heist. Like oh, okay. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember if it's a jewelry store or a bank, but they're stealing this like crazy, like really large, like ruby looking jewel. Um, and it's like them plotting it, and planning it and running through like hallways and stuff because they're actually going through the heist. It's like a Mission Impossible kind of a heist thing. It's really cool. Um, and I remember seeing the video. I'm like, this is a really clever video. Um, Interesting. But yeah, it's, it's just I'm, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of the song. But the video I always thought was really cool. So, yeah, that's um, I never was big. Like, I like some of Hoobastank's music, but I never really liked this this song specifically that much. So I don't think I ever paid close attention to the video. <laughs> and with everything you've said, it doesn't seem like the song, like the type of song you would expect to have a uh, heist themed music video for it. But I kind of want to go hunt it down and rewatch it because uh, that does sound pretty interesting. So, yeah. <laughs> Well, what's your next honorable mention? Yeah, so my next one, uh, this is a music video that I think I thought was, like, amazing when I first saw it. And I don't know if I if I think it's still the greatest thing, but I do think it is a really solid music video. And that is uh, Walking Contradiction by Green Day. And uh, this is just, I thought, it, I always thought it was really clever because... You basically are watching the members of the band walking through a city and uh, everything they interact with tends to become destroyed or dilapidated in some way. <laughs> so I can't remember all the specific incidences, but if you have like one of the band members like stops at like a fruit stand or something, when they walk away, something will happen to cause the fruit stand to collapse and stuff like that. And uh, the uh, video you said ends walking in... You said walking contradiction, right? Yep. Yep. Walking contradiction. And uh, the video ends with like, by the, by the time you get to the end, I know there's a few explosions and car crashes and, uh, when it go when it comes to the uh, song, like the name "Walking Contradiction," as well as the subject matter of the song, it just was like it's just such a clever sort of like one-liner idea for a music video that I think they pulled off really well. And uh, for whatever reason, this one has always stuck out to me. Like I grew up being a huge Green Day fan, and I think uh, I think for whatever reason, this was always like one of my favorite videos of theirs. So yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this one, Drew, but uh, this yeah. Is, this is probably one of the coolest videos I think I've ever seen just because yeah, absolutely. of the idea of like, cause he's walking down the street and there's a bit where he's uh, like, he's walking down the street and um, the piano falls, like the piano is going to fall <laughs> and hit him and he just walks and it just smashes behind him there's a car <laughs> yeah. crashes an explosion eventually one of the buildings comes down the yeah i think that's how it ends said, i think that i think the video ends with the building collapsing but it's just you're watching the video and you're just like this is really kind of cool and fun yeah. <laughs> i love that song by the way i really like that that's probably my that might actually be my favorite green day song yeah uh, yeah but yeah nice. really cool uh really cool music video yeah, I totally uh, forgot about the building falling over, but I think that's it. Like at the end, it's like when all three band members finally meet up on the street and like shake hands or whatever. And then in the background, just the building collapses. So uh, classic. Um, so, yeah, what's your first actual pick? Uh, Duel of the Fates. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs>
So we don't have to talk too much more about this. Like I said, this was this just hyped the movie more and more. Um, we want I wanted to see it over and over and over again. Um, you couldn't have asked for like the fact that MTV because that was a thing is for them to play that MTV. That meant they were excited, too. And they're like, mm-hmm. let's do this, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Duel of the Fates is my first one of the night. So, yeah. What's your first actual one? Yeah, so the first one that I picked is actually, um, I went with uh, Buddy Holly by Weezer. Um, oh. I feel like this is a pretty popular pick for, uh, you know, when it comes to best music video list. But I think there's good reason. And, and that's because this is the video where it's directed by Spike Jones, And it basically the video puts uh, Weezer into Arnold's restaurant from Happy Days. So basically it's Weezer performing their song Buddy Holly in the Happy Days set around the cast of Happy Days. And there's a lot of cool tricks when it comes to superimposing different characters into shots and uh, the editing. And it, it really like it's really pretty seamless. Like you watch it and it feels really authentic. And that's why I think it has so much recognition and this video has like kind of lasted this, the lasted, um, you know, it's passed the test of time, so to speak. And uh, the other thing is like Weezer. um, I know that the beach boys is like a huge influence on, uh, on uh, rivers Cuomo. And like, uh, I think buddy Holly is one of those songs that I think that's pretty evident when you actually listen to it more than a lot of other Weezer songs, but you can hear a little bit of that, beach boysiness in the song especially in the pre-chorus but um no i just i thought this this is another one that i think is really clever and just really seamless so i don't know if i have more to say on it than that but uh like i said all my top five picks have some sort of a weird nerdy pop culture reference to them and uh yeah that's just the beginning of that (laughs) train of thought for me so <laughs> i don't remember this video well enough okay fair uh, enough <laughs> I, I i'm gonna have to this is one of the things i'm gonna have to go look i just don't remember it well enough yeah um so i don't unfortunately have a lot to say on it um okay so this one i feel is a little bit of a cheat but i think the video is awesome um i was thinking about this because i'm such a big movie guy i absolutely love um movie tie-in songs when they have videos released or become huge massive hits i think they're fantastic um like when you have like kiss from a rose from batman forever or you have um uh what's a what's another really good one uh <sighs> I'm trying to think of some too but i'm, I'm totally of... on a blank but like what they what happens with these is like you'll have a song that's written for a movie and then that song will that music video will will be the music video with the artist, but they'll also include clips from the film and stuff. Yeah, I always looked at those like to me that was like a mini trailer for the film, or it was a mini like into the like almost like a behind the scenes look at the movie in a way to me. And I always loved those. Um, the one I'm bringing up right now is "Hold My Hand" by Lady Gaga. Uh, for Top Gun. Oh, wow. I haven't even seen the video for this. First off, the video for this, oh, my God, it's fantastic because it's just more Top Gun. <laughs> um, but secondly, the song is amazing, and it irritates the living hell out of me <laughs> that it's not being played on the air right now. Like, it's like no radio play whatsoever. They're playing the uh, One Republic song all the time, but they're not yeah. this one at all. And this one is just astounding. So Lady Gaga, look. 
what a wonderful song. I think it's probably one of the best songs of the year, which that's what made me realize why they're not playing it, because it's probably being put up for the Oscar for best original song. And once it wins, it's going to be all over the damn place. <laughs> so there um, you go. That's what that's what went through my head. But I'm like, the song is amazing. The video is awesome because it's more Top Gun. It's just more Top Gun footage. Um, in the realm of Top Gun, the One Republic song that they played in the movie during the football sequence, that music video has a whole bunch of like training sequence footage, too. Um, oh, nice. So there's a lot to it. But yeah, no, Hold My Hand by Lady Gaga. The video is awesome. Um, I want to say from a cinema, cinematography standpoint, you should watch the video, too. But a lot of it is the cinematography from the movie itself. So you're actually seeing in movie footage of like the planes flying around and stuff. So, well, and um, Lady Gaga is definitely known for having just really striking, really cool music videos. So I'll definitely have to check this out at some point. I just I didn't even it's kind of cool because my list definitely skews pretty retro. And I'm actually glad you picked something like super recent. But uh, yeah, this is one that I didn't even think of to uh, check out the music video for, to be honest. Right. Yeah, no. And this this popped up. Um, so like one of the things I do when I get home from work is I uh, pull up YouTube on the big TV and um I'll get home from work. I'll kind of I'll sit down. I'll pull up YouTube and I'll scroll through the recommended and just posted lines on YouTube. Okay. Uh, it's the, the recommended based on what I watch. Sometimes it's but that what's nice about that is all the trailers drop and I get them like all right away. And then the just added, you see some random stuff like that. Ryan Reynolds one was right there when I turned on YouTube. I'm like, what's this? Um, and when Top Gun hit, that's where the Lady Gaga and the Wonder Public, they were like back to back on YouTube. I was like, let's check these out, you know? So, um, I usually watch like, uh, maybe like 10, 20 minutes of these like up and coming nonsense. And then I go on with my day. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Anyway, um, what's your next one for the night? Yeah. So I actually went with, uh, Breaking the Habit by Linkin Park. Um, and Drew, I don't know. Do you remember this video at all? No, I don't. Okay, so this video is awesome. Uh, it is, I don't know if it actually is, and I kind of wished I looked this up before recording today, but I always felt like it's, so this mo this video is completely animated, and I always felt like it had the same, like it was like the same animation studio did this video as uh, Kid's Story from the Animatrix. Mm -hmm. If anybody remembers the kid story short from the Animatrix, it is very similar animation where it's that cool, like really scratchy, really, um, really like undulating and like full of movement sort of anime style. And uh, the video, I actually I remembered it so much from in high school because I remember seeing the video a lot and just thinking the animation was amazing. And I actually rewatched it before the podcast. And uh, I didn't realize that the video is like really, really heavy in subject matter because the video sh uh, kind of shows uh, multiple different uh, animated characters um, attempting to take their own life at the beginning of it. And uh, basically halfway through what happens is everything starts rewinding. So all these characters you're introduced to who were trying to take their own life, they end up moving backwards. And uh, when you listen to the lyrics of the song, um, rewatching it, like it's definitely heavy subject matter and it does seem really dark. But when you think about the song, like 
I'm breaking the habit, like I'm changing uh, these like dark, dismal ways that I have had my whole life. It actually ends like the way that it ends with all these really dark images moving in reverse. It kind of has this weird, like positive spin on it that I actually thought was kind of pretty impressive and pretty moving um, that I don't think I realized was there when I first saw the music video. So definitely one to revisit, but it's definitely something with really, really heavy subject matter. So keep that in mind. But if nothing else, the animation is just so awesome in this video. So, yeah, the. Um, this I got to go look this up. I'm a huge Linkin Park fan. They're probably one of my favorite groups. Yeah. Um, and um, I've only seen a handful of their music videos. Um, I mostly just watch the uh, I mostly just listen to the music and enjoy it. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, so I'm going to have to go look this up. But yeah, ch check it out. It's it's really cool. I think it holds up really well, um, partially because of that animated thing. But when it came out, it really did feel like super cutting edge. And I kind of feel like it holds up in that way pretty well. So right on. All right. Well, my next one is a song that was written for a point. It was written for a film. It The music video has no movie footage in it at all <laughs> and the song because they didn't really know what was happening with the song it bizarrely kind of ends and really has no ending to it um and the song is i disappear by metallica oh uh, nice <laughs> the song was written for mission impossible 2 um they didn't want to use any movie footage they just wanted featured and it was going to be featured in the movie and um, I don't actually know where it is featured in the movie, to be completely honest. As of the many times I've seen that movie, it's probably just. Yeah. It's, um, but it was written for the film. It's the only one Metallica ever wrote for a movie. Um, if you listen to the song, they get to a point with the lyrics where the song just kind of stops and it just music plays out. OK. And the um, it's, I think it's their only song that does that. And. The video is cool because they wanted to and there was actually a making of featurette that was released for this music video because the band wanted to the music video to be Mission Impossible. So what they did was is they hired stunt crews. So during the course of the video, each band member had their own stunts that they were doing, but they were all real practical stunts. So like nice. one of them was like jumping out of a building and then running down it with the cables. And one of them was like running through a building where these explosions come in. One of them was doing a bike stunt. One of them, you know what I mean? Like it was all this stuff and it was all meant to be like these big stunt things. And they got stunt teams together to show them how to do certain things and all this stuff. Really, really fun video to watch. Uh, the making of the video was I thought was really cool just to see them all putting piecing it together and everything. But I definitely recommend watching this one so nice yeah that's a good call i've definitely seen this video but it's been super long and i don't remember much about it except for probably the parts where metallica was actually playing their instruments but this sounds like a kind of a fun one to uh go back and revisit yeah yeah <laughs> um yeah other than that uh that's my next one so what do you got okay so my next pick um i actually went with uh it's a Pearl Jam song, but it's kind of a more obscure one, I feel. But it's the uh, 
the music video for Do the Evolution by Pearl Jam. And this is a video and song that came out in 1998. So I feel like it's a little bit after peak Pearl Jam. But this video is amazing. Like it's one of those like it's one of those things I feel like everybody needs to watch once because it's just so good and all encompassing. So it's essentially the video starts off. It's this is another one that's completely animated. I'm sorry, I have a lot of animated picks for my top five <laughs> picks, but uh, this one's completely animated. And what it starts off with is single celled organisms on Earth. And you watch the organisms evolve into, you know, fish and sea creatures. And then you watch those creatures begin to walk on land and you literally go through every stage of evolution. And, you know, eventually you get to cavemen and then the building of civilizations and then you get to the dark ages. And the whole video really focuses on kind of a lot of the dark, dismal aspects of uh, life on our planet in a lot of ways. And it goes through like the entire human existence and it goes from there into the future. So it, go, it, it catches up with present day. But then you go into the future and you start to get into creepy like AI stuff. And then you have the people who are addicted to uh, being plugged into VR all day. And it it's very like I showed this video to a friend and he thought it, he said he got depressed from it. And I'm like. Well, I mean, yeah, it's really like too real is definitely a good way to describe this video, but it's also amazing. And it is one of those things like you see it, you should see it once. It's so all encompassing, but it really makes you think. And uh, it's awesome. Uh, just commenting on the song a little bit too. some of Pearl Jam's like slower music. I'm not I don't get super into, but this is one of Pearl Jam's like uh, faster heavier songs which i definitely like so the the music really pairs well with this sort of dark imagery but uh one thing that makes this video really relevant to our podcast is it was actually directed by uh todd mcfarlane or i guess i, guess I should say it was uh, co-directed by him so and if you know todd mcfarlane's uh comic book work you can imagine all the dark places that this video goes but this is one of those if you haven't seen it you definitely have to check it out Definitely pretty dark, but it's just an amazing video. So, yeah, Do the Evolution by Pearl Jam. Interesting, and I'm going to have to go look this up because I don't know this music video at all, but it sounds awesome. Yeah, this is this is one of those things I stumbled on it randomly online a long time ago, and I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> so it's just I've always had it kind of as a go-to music video, you know, if I'm hanging out with friends or something like that. So, yeah, well, even bringing up the Todd McFarlane thing, it's like, ooh, I have to go check this out now. So, yep. yeah, I'll definitely be watching it. Um, OK, so my next one for the night is Cry Me a River by Justin Timberlake. Um, I don't know if you know this music video. This music vaguely. Video this music video I picked specifically because, first off, I like the song, but I picked this music video specifically because it's, I think it's cinematically gorgeous. Right. Um, essentially, this is a breakup song. Uh, the girl pissed him off. They split up. He's going to get back at her. So, um, and there's a little bit of, like, Hollywood history, if you will, but um, in the sense that Justin and Brittany dated at one point and the girl that he's getting back at in the video looks a lot like Britney Spears. <laughs> um, <laughs> but he uh, so ultimately what happens is 
in the video, there's a girl that looks very similar to Britney Spears, kind of like, I don't know if she's coming home for the day or whatever, but she's getting ready to get cleaned up. So she's going into the bathroom to take a shower. She goes into the bathroom to take a shower. Justin Timberlake breaks into her house, sneaks in a girl, has sex with the girl on her bed, and then they sneak out of the house before she gets out of the shower. Um, that's essentially what happens in the video, but it is cinematically awesome. It's the way the camera moves, the way the camera follows the characters, the way the camera depicts everything and gets it subtly in the sense that things are implied so you don't see certain things and so on. It's gorgeous the way it's shot. It's one of my favorite music videos just because of how it's shot. Um, and that's why I chose it. But Yeah, I, yeah. I vaguely remember this video, but I remember it having a really... I think you're right. Like, I feel like I remember the cinematography being really sophisticated. And even when you go down to the sort of color palette of the video, I feel like it's really distinct and uh, sophisticated as far as just even the color palette. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I need to rewatch this one. This is actually probably my favorite Justin Timberlake song. And I think this is... uh, I don't know. When you listen to the song, I actually think it's really good. Like, I think the way that the the verses kind of have like almost like a weird call and response feel to them. But it's just, you know, Justin Timberlake singing the whole time and uh, the way like the layering goes. And I just think it's really interestingly written. And I think this is actually a song that made me take justin timberlake seriously because before i heard the song i didn't really (laughs) like i kind of just thought he was kind of like a boy band clown or whatever and then i heard this song and i was like oh he can do some interesting stuff (laughs) so Mm. so good call right um all right man what's your second to last pick of the night yeah so my second to last pick uh this one's a classic um this is the music video for uh take on me for uh by the band aha it's uh you know it's an old 80s new wave song drew i don't know have you ever seen this video no okay so this (laughs) i feel like this is definitely before both of our times it's one of those things that we didn't grow up watching this because this is like it's not before my time (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely before my time but (laughs) not before my time but it's before i was old enough to pay attention and understand what that was for me yes How's that for an answer? <laughs> I, I I would agree with that. I guess I would I was definitely generalizing with that statement, but yeah, it's all good. This anyway. is one of the this is one of those things where I don't know how I even really know a lot about this video, but it's one of those things where I think it just has to do with like being into art and being into drawing and being into comic books. Something somewhere along the line turned me on to this music video, and I watched it on YouTube or something a long time ago, and I thought it was just amazing and it's this video where when you watch it it starts out with the 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 music starts and you see a bunch of uh kind of sketchy looking drawings and it's showing one by one all these different sketchy looking drawings and you realize you're watching uh these characters in a motorcycle race and uh eventually the camera kind of backs up and you see that it's actually there's actually a woman sitting in a diner and she's reading a comic book and that's where all these uh events that you were seeing previously are taking place so you're seeing all these cool comic book drawings of these characters on a motorcycle race or whatever Mm. anyways eventually the guy who wins the race uh, there's a moment where the woman is like staring at the character's face in the book and the guy 
winks at her like the character in the comic and then eventually that leads to the characters like drawn comic book hand reaching out of the page and bringing the woman into the comic book with her and it it really has that sort of cool world sort of feel where you Mm -hmm. have the two worlds you have the real world and then the comic books but then when it comes to inside like this sort of comic book world because once the woman is brought in she's animated but they do some really cool cinematography cinematographic things where you're seeing members of the band playing their instruments or this woman and in certain panels like there's certain panels that the character like these animated characters walk past and through the panel there's like a real shot of um one of the band members playing their instruments and there's some cool spots where the camera will like rotate around one of those like window panels and you're getting a view of both like the real world characters and these animated characters and they interact. And this is one of those things where if you are into hybrid film, if you like the combination of live action and animated characters, you definitely have to watch this video because any descriptors that I could do on this podcast would not do it justice, but it's kind of just a really beautiful artistic view into this like cool, like music video, real world and this animated comic book world. And I rewatched this video right before we recorded actually just to refresh my memory. And it's one of those things where when you watch the video, it it's like this really cool, almost tragic love story that plays out. Like it's one of those videos where at the end of the video, the way it ends, I almost was ready to feel sad. And then they get you with like an upbeat clincher at the end and you are left with that like, okay, everything's okay sort of feel. But it's really like, I feel like as just a piece of film, this is a really good music video and definitely like a great one that uh, everybody should check out or revisit. So, yeah. Sure. Well, I don't actually know this video, so this is one that... So I basically have a list right now of movies... <laughs> Music videos I gotta go watch. <laughs> well, I gotta go watch uh, I Disappear by Metallica. And the you gotta go watch that. For sure. <laughs> I gotta watch the Lady Gaga one. So, yeah. Um, so, my final one for the night is Walking Contradiction by Green Day. Oh, nice. That's this awesome. was, as soon as you said music videos, this is the first thing I wrote down last time we, well, last episode when you brought this up. I was like, Walking Contradiction Green Day. It was the first thing I wrote down. Um, it's one of those music videos that has just hung with me. I love it. I think it's one of the coolest music videos out there. Um, and I love the song. So I don't, I can keep this short because we talked about it earlier, but yeah, if you haven't seen this music video, go check it out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what do you got for your last one for the night? So I expected we might match for Walking Contradiction. And my last pick, I was hoping we were going to match, but apparently we didn't. But I went with, and this is, I thoroughly think this is my favorite music video of all time. I think it's awesome. I think it's actually overlooked a lot. Like, I think there's a lot of top 10 or 20 or whatever music video lists that don't give this video any time of day. And I think that kind of sucks. But that music video is Freak on a Leash by Korn. Oh, what um, a cool video. Absolutely. So this this music video came out in 1999. So that's one year after Do the Evolution by Pearl Jam. And this music video is also co-directed by Todd McFarlane because oh, wow. half of this music video is animated and half of it is live action. But essentially... The cover for the album that this song is on, it's uh, the album's called Follow the Leader. And uh, the cover of the album depicts 
a group of like school age kids playing hopscotch and the hopscotch court if you will, is kind of leading off the edge of a cliff. So it's pretty dark. It's pretty morbid. But the artwork for the album was done by uh, from what I could research. It was it was done as a collaboration between Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo, who were definitely the two biggest uh, spawn artists back in the day. But the music video takes that same imagery of the kids playing hopscotch and that leading off the edge of the cliff. But the way the music video plays it is the kids have to sneak over like a barbed wire fence and they're sneaking to the edge of this cliff. And uh, there's like a security booth that they have to sneak past. And it's almost like this, for whatever reason, this forbidden place to go is this cliff. And uh, the security guard basically sees the kids going to this cliff and playing hopscotch. And he starts chasing them, um, you know, like, hey, kids, get out of get, get out of here sort of thing. And while he's chasing them. He exit. He drops his gun and his gun fires off a bullet that almost hits a little girl who's playing hopscotch. But the bullet ends up going forward past the cliff and through a poster that's on a wall. So basically everything with these kids playing hopscotch was actually taking place in a poster for the album (laughs) was that was that the band like the band's album, like their poster was on a wall And that's where this was all taking place. And the bullet comes out of the poster. And that's kind of where the music video begins. And there's a kind of a cool concept. It's almost like the security guard was supposed to keep the cartoon children from entering the real world almost. Like they can't go off, you know, past this barrier into the real world. And uh, then the rest of the video, you follow this bullet around the real world. And it goes from uh, it goes through basically every cool thing that a bullet can go through. (laughs) So you see it shattering like a coffee pot. It goes through a whipped cream can. It goes through like all sorts of just cool imagery. Were you going to comment on that at all? I was. That's one of my favorite parts of the music video because it's all slow motion and you're seeing everything like shatter slowly. Like like really. (laughs) (laughs) This album, by the way, won so many Grammys. Like a, absolutely like a ton. And I, you know, whether you like corn or not, or that style of music or not, you got to respect that album because that freak on a leash is one of the coolest single albums ever. I love that album. Mm-hmm. But anyway, absolutely. Um, No, I was just I kind of like summed the video up, but it's one of those things where halfway through the music video, the uh, the bullet ends up going into another corn poster and the actual band is performing in that poster and then they end up sending the bullet back into the real world and eventually back to the uh, poster it originated from. And there's kind of a cool conclusion to the story with the security guard and the kids in there. But um, it's definitely a really interesting video. And I think it's one of those things that you can watch it just for the spectacle. Like mm. that was cool. That looked cool. But I do think there is some interesting con- concepts when it comes to the um, the sort of play between the. Uh, real and animated world and the breaking of the fourth wall. But there's also some like uh, darker, more like, I guess, darker concepts when it comes to um, how some of that stuff plays out. So I can leave it there. But this this music video, I think, is great. And I do think it's like a lot of times some of these like Rolling Stone top 20 music video lists like that sort of thing kind of ignore this video. And I think it's just because 
a lot of times new metal doesn't get the credit i think it's just like new metal isn't like highbrow enough or something but it's definitely a an awesome just piece of cinema in my opinion so Uh, this is that's actually freak on a leash is my favorite song off that album too yeah um yeah so yeah love that video um and i kind of sucks because i forgot about it but that's okay (laughs) not changing my list list. um all right so that kind of brings us to the end of this episode next week is my pick and i was going to throw a year at you okay Um, so we're going to dig into 1994 Okay, cool. Somehow we haven't done that one yet, and that's awesome. Um, so, yeah, 1994, let's see what we can come up with. Um, so that's what I'm going to do next week, uh, those films. Um, awesome. Yeah, so you ready to toss this episode in the can? Yeah, let's go for it. Great. Uh, everybody, do us all a favor. Check out our website, top5report.com. There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the link to our email, top5report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Hit us up on our social media. Either way works. Um, we are on Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts. You can subscribe to us in those places. If you do, you will not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we understand criticism because it helps us get better, and it makes the words we say feel important. You can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram at Drew3927. Uh, Peter, what about you? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I'll be spreading the word that if you don't love me at my feeling like a freak on a leash, then you definitely don't deserve me at my da boom, not a doom, na manina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, everybody, for the top five report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.